Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. Lord, What's up, everybody? Freddy Show on Dirt, Monday. Monday, March something. It's the Monday before Major League Baseball starts. Baseball starts this Thursday, finally three days away. We're there. I'm Hill Quentin, again, live from the Sweet B Studios. We put some music at the beginning of it. That is uh, most deaf, right there, definition. That's what we're going to do. What's up, everybody? How is everybody doing today? Hopefully, everybody had a decent Monday, we hope. We've got, like I said, at the beginning of this thing, three days. Until baseball starts, I'm super excited about that. I can finally stop getting on this podcast and complaining about watching television shows that aren't Major League Baseball. And this is it, finally. Everything we prepared for this offseason, we can see if the Phillies rebuild is going to work. We can see if the San Francisco Giants not rebuild is going to work. There's so many questions that we have that we've thought this whole entire offseason, and they're all about to come ahead on Thursday. I think I'm going to take the whole day off of work, probably record all day long, all day long, and just watch baseball. I'm going to get a case of Ham's beer. Um, If you don't know what Ham's beer is, it is an up north beer. It's a Wisconsin beer, Wisconsin, northern Illinois. You can get it in Indiana as well if you're up north. It is from the purest waters ever made. And it's going to be my go-to. And the reason kind of why Ham's Beer is my go-to, so 2016 World Series, me and my wife are in Chicago. We were in Chicago for games three, four, and five, and we go to L&L Tavern. Now, L&L Tavern is just this, I mean, it's a little tavern, right? It's the best bar you'll ever go to. It's a dive bar. And when you walk in the place, it's real dark. And they've got beer signs all over the place. So if you're a beer fan, especially a classic beer fan, if you're a PBR guy, if you're an old style guy or girl, hams, whatever it is, there are all kinds of old classic vintage signs in this place. And the place is real dark and it only has two 20-inch tube TVs in the whole place. Now that, to me, is the way you watch baseball. So me and my wife watched Game 5 of the World Series on a 20-inch tube TV. I think it was an Emerson, maybe a Magnavox, if it was, like, really upscale. And the place was completely out of old-style beer. Obviously, being a Cubs guy, that was going to be my go-to. They didn't have any old-style beer, but they had hams. Now, my buddy Rick had already turned me on to hams beer probably two years before that. You can get a 12-pack of hams. No, no, you get a 24 case of hams, I think, for like $12.99. That's like 50 cents a beer. It's basically the price of a soda machine when you were 10 and went to go buy a Coke out of the soda machine for 50 cents. Well, that's the beer we're drinking on opening day, and I've thought about this a lot. So that's what I'm going to have is I'm going to have my 24 beers, but I got to thinking, like, what, what does a person need for food prep, right? So you're preparing for opening day. You're you're going to watch, I'm watching every baseball game. I've got it figured out where I'm going to have three TVs, then I've got two iPads and my cell phone, then my computer with two monitors. So I might be watching like 10 games at once. So I'm prepared. And, you know, I'm going to put this on Twitter as well. But what does everybody like for, for baseball, right? You've got baseball go-tos. I've got baseball go-tos. And I've already started to plan a lot of this out. So what am I going to watch? I'm going to watch every game, but what am I going to eat? I've already compiled a list, right? Number one is my Ham's beer. All right, 24 of those bad boys. Give it to me. And I'm going to be prepared to watch baseball all day. I might need two 24-packs, depending on how the day goes, because games start, I think, at 1230 Eastern, okay? So number one on my 
food prep for opening day has got to be Ham's beer. Now, number two, it's got to be a, a got to be a hot dog. Got to be a good hot dog. But then I'm kind of left with the decision on what do I do? Do I go Nathan's or do I go Hebrew National? Now, Nathan's obviously puts on the hot dog eating contest every single year. Joey Chestnut, when Kobayashi was in his prime, deadlifting 350 pounds, muscle on muscle. I think he was on performance enhancers, but your Joey Chestnut-Kobayashi rivalry was probably like, like maybe like LeBron and Steph Curry or Jordan and Karl Malone or, I don't know, maybe Mickey Mantle and Willie Mays, right? These are like two greats that are at the top of their game, and Nathan fuels them, so... When Joey Chestnut eats 72 hot dogs in 10 minutes, it's a Nathan's hot dog. And you got to figure, you got to really love a hot dog to eat 72 of them in 10 minutes. Now, these hot dogs, I looked up the rules, right? And that's what it is. It's 10 minutes, but your hot dogs are HDB. That's how they eat them. That's hot dog bun. Hot dog bun. But they don't put any condiments on them. And if a hot dog is that good with no condiment, I'm kind of like, maybe I got to go Nathan's, right? Also... Al Capone, you ever heard of Al Capone? He loved a Nathan's hot dog, and I to me that's a big deal, right? A big, he's Al Capone's a Chicago guy, and he's he's a mafia guy. Obviously, he died of syphilis, but I would like to think him eating Nathan's hot dogs maybe prolonged his life just a little bit. But I mean, that's a big deal, right? Mobster Al Capone loves Nathan's. That's huge, but also. Hebrew National, right? These hot dogs are 100% kosher, and they've been making their hot dogs since 1905, right? Nathan's is 1960. I did a lot of research on this. Believe me, a lot of research. But there's a whole religious aspect of it, 100% beef kosher hot dogs, right? Hebrew National brings in like a kosher tester to make sure these hot dogs are kosher because we all know with hot dogs – you don't know what's what's going to be in your hot dog, right? It might it might be a little Play-Doh. It might be a little plastic. Like, you don't know what's crawling around the factory that's possibly got in your hot dog. But we know with the Hebrew National Hot Dog, 100% kosher for the Jewish religion, uh, you know, a Hebrew National Hot Dog is very religious. And that, I, I feel like you got to go with that, right? But they're also gluten-free. Gluten-free to me is huge because... I've been told I eat like a five-year-old. Well, more specifically, like a seven-year-old. You know, one of my favorite snacks is chocolate milk and cheese. It's I need the gluten-free because it gets me on the acid reflux. Also, Hebrew National, they only get their meat from half from the front half of the cow, which apparently is the meaty half of the cow. Hot dogs. When you're shopping for hot dogs on opening day, that's what you got to know. Nathan's and Hebrew National. Me, personally, I'm going Hebrew National. That's the hot dog that I've chosen for my number two food. Ham's beer, Hebrew National hot dogs. But number three, number three on the list because the more dog, because I'm a dog person, is a corn dog. Now, I live close to where the Chicago White Sox single 18 baseball plays. And that's the Kannapolis Intimidators from Kannapolis, North Carolina, home of Dale Earnhardt, the Intimidator, which is why the team's called the Kansas or the Kannapolis Intimidators, and it's the best minor league ballpark you can ever go to. You can get a corn dog and a hot dog there for three bucks out the door, tax and all. They don't gouge your prices up. It's all natural there, and it's and I I know, I know what it takes to make a good corn dog, right? I once worked at a food truck 
at, a, at county fairs. I would go to different county fairs, air shows, anybody that needed a, a funnel cake, a hot dog, or a lemon shake-up. I was your guy, and I went with my buddy, with his grandparents, in, in this fair truck. I was a carny, I guess you could say. I also sold watermelons in college, but that's a story for another day, another conversation. But what I did is I, I, I prepared funnel cakes, and I prepared corn dogs, and I prepared lemon shake-ups. Now, I know the finer things in life, and one of the finer things in life, whether it be Grey Poupon, Miller High Life, Filet Mignons, if you like those sorts of things, is a good batter in a corn dog. I know what it takes. Believe me. And the corn dogs from, from the Canapolis Intimidators... If you ever listen to this podcast, oh, they're so good. And and what you do is you get the ketchup and mustard, and you put it in a thing, and you swirl it, and you dip your corn dog in it. That's it. Number three is a corn dog. It's got to be the good batter. If you're going to prepare for opening day on Thursday, and you're going to call in sick to work, you know, you're going to fake an illness, call your boss, tell him you got the bubble guts, food poisoning is a popular one, tell him you had a lot of Taco Bell the day before. Do yourself a favor and don't get a microwave hot dog. Get yourself a Deep Daddy Fryer from Presto. Batter it up. Look up a recipe. Get on Pinterest, guys. Don't be afraid. Get your girl's password for Pinterest. Make that good corn dog. Number four is a cheeseburger. Now, I'm passionate about a cheeseburger. If, if you've listened to the podcast, you know how much I love food. I go on and on. What's my number one ranked food? If you've listened to the podcast, Yes, you, the answer is indeed biscuits and gravy. It's 500 to you, my man. Biscuits and gravy. I know good food, okay? I'm like the Gordon Ramsay or the Emeril Lagasse of food. I enjoy the finer things in life. A cheeseburger. Now, this is what it is. The cheeseburger kind of has a different feel to it, right? Have you ever, how can I describe this? Craft breweries are really popular, so you might want to go out and get a really nice craft beer, maybe a Russian Imperial Stout, maybe an IPA that tastes like it was brewed with a sweaty sock. You know the taste and you know the smell. You might want that, but every now and then, you might just walk into Quick Trip or Circle K or Wawa and say, I'm going to get a 40-ounce of Miller High Life because that's just how I'm feeling today, right? A little, a little dirty, if you will. You know what I mean? You just want some fish sticks for dinner sometimes. You know, we don't always want Hello Fresh for dinner or kale and spinach salad. Sometimes we want fish sticks with tartar sauce and macaroni and cheese. One of my favorite meals. And that's how it is with a cheeseburger. My ideal cheeseburger, when I go to the ballpark, takes a few steps back, right? It's going to be definitely a little more processed than what a hot dog is. Here's why. When I was a kid, my dad would take me to the dirt track. I'm going to go racetrack, right? And I'd always get a cheeseburger there. And I know the cheeseburger definitely tastes like it was cooked in a microwave because when you would get it, you know, maybe it would taste like a little bit of foil. I imagine some sparks shot in the microwave when it cooked. But something about those cheap burgers, that's where I'm at with that, you know? And I, I love a good cheap burger, and that's what you get at a ballpark. So a cheeseburger is going to be number four. Get a cheeseburger that tastes like a little bit of metal, Put a lot of ketchup and mustard on it, and you might take some Pepto-Bismol and keep the anti-diarrhea medicine on tap, but trust me, my friends, it's going to be worth it. Number five is a soft pretzel. Get your hands on a soft pretzel. I'm talking loaded up with salt. We really want to boost the blood pressure 
if we can with the real salty pretzel that's number one but we want to get the melty beer cheese you got to get the melty beer cheese get two of them from the concessions they'll only give you one all you got to do is ask for the second and guess what the lady behind the counter with the visor cap on and the gray hair because she's working the job just for fun so she can go to the ballpark guess what she'll give you a second thing of beer cheese and just dip it in just dip it in and then honorable mention I was only going to go top five, you understand, but I, I strive for greatness on the podcast. Greatest show on dirt. I am here with Brody. Courtney's actually not in the office today. She's working uh, morning to night. Right now, she's too busy to be here is what she told me. Uh, she's probably going to get written up at least. Um, I can tell you that. A full desagulation is probably what's going to go on her record, but that's neither here nor there. Ice cream at the ballpark under one circumstance, one stipulation with the ice cream. My friend, it's got to be in a helmet. If you're not surfing me ice cream in a helmet at the ballpark, what the hell are we doing here? I might as well go to Kroger and just buy normal ice cream and sit at home and watch The Bachelor if you're not going to give me ice cream in a helmet. This is the greatest show on the dirt. We did have a little bit planned for today. We've been off, off-season tweets. I'm not going to lie. They're a little hard to do on a daily basis. I really just try to figure out what to talk about. Sometimes I like to post funny pictures. One of my Really, one of my favorite things to post right now on Twitter is random Joey Gallo stats. Because what I did, when what we're going to talk about on the show today is I've got a list of five baseball players that I'm really looking forward to to see in 2018, which you should check out as well. And so I've, I've, I've done a pretty decent amount of research on Joey Gallo because I love what Joey Gallo stands for, right? This is a guy that's, he's your three true outcome guy. When he steps up to the plate, there's like a 60% chance he's going to strike out walk or hit a home run the guy hit like five singles last year and like one triple and 41 home runs he doesn't mess around right this is joey gallows what every kid wanted to be like when they grew up like i just want to get up there and hit home runs joey gallows living it about a 209 but slugged like 550 and hit 41 home runs he doesn't do anything else right joey gallo has no interest in running to first Right, He wants to jog to first, take the outside, and circle the bases at his leisurely place. He did it 41 times last year. This year, I think he's going to do it 50. But listen to this. And I'm going to read my tweet verbatim because I think it sounds like Shakespeare. Joey Gallo, he's obviously somewhat symbolic of our podcast, right? Here was Joey Gallo in 2016. Because he had a cup of coffee in 2016. Joey Gallo had 25 at-bats coming up in 2016. He batted 40. 40, like .040. That was his batting average. He struck out 19 times in 25 at-bats. He had one hit, and it was a monster, towering home run. <laughs> this is like the best thing ever. So he, this is what he did. He batted 40 and hit just a long-shot home run. But you know they called him up in 2017, few injuries here and there, and that's just what he did, man. There's not a guy in baseball, right? Like, Joey Gallo is Ricky Bobby. We're talking all or nothing. If you ain't first, you're last. This is your guy. He's 6'5", 250. He's going to have a bigger... I, I think he smokes 50 home runs in 2018. Without a doubt, hands down. He hit a home run that last year that had a seven-second hang time. Seven seconds. Like, I can't, I can't run for seven seconds. God, I can't jog for seven seconds. I can't hold my breath for seven seconds. I can't pay attention to anything in life in seven seconds. If I were there in the stadium and that ball was up in the air for seven seconds, I like, I just would have been like, I, I could have done like 10 things in seven seconds. And that's how long his ball, it went higher than 
it it went higher than it went distance. You understand? Because it barely cleared like 350 feet on a home run, but I think it went 400 feet in the air, and that's what it did. So what we're looking at now, we're going to get into uh, some top five action. Give me one second. All right, I'm back. Just had to get a drink of water, check on the dog, those sorts of things. So what we're going to go over right now is I tweeted a few days ago about who, about five players that I was pumped to see in 2018. Okay, so here's what I have. Now, and I, and I did put together some predictions for him. Now, I'm not Miss Cleo. I'm not some sort of clairvoyant. I'm not Sylvia Brown. I don't have a crystal ball, but me and my Black Lab Brody, we did some work in here, and this is what we've got. So, top five. These guys are in any particular order. Guys, we're excited to see play. Number one, Kyle Schwarber. I am beyond pumped to see what Kyle Schwarber does. Now, this is this is kind of a non-biased thing. Like, obviously, I'm an Illinois guy, so I'm a Cub fan. But Kyle Schwarber, this is a story that probably everyone's going to be interested in. Because you looked at Kyle Schwarber. He comes up in 2015, has a heck of a year, hits about... Mm, I, I don't remember exactly how many home runs he hit in 2015. But he, he's... Kyle Schwarber was like your original Reese Hoskins, right? He came up, played about 60-something games, hit about 21 home runs or something like that, just hitting real quick. And when Kyle came up, you saw just this super quick bat, this power. Kyle got in the 2015 playoffs, I think hit five home runs, super productive guy. And then three games into 2016, 2016 season, trashes his knee against the Diamondbacks. Him and Dexter Fowler, Cubs center fielder, they run into each other then that's all you see of Kyle. But lo and behold, Kyle comes back months early to play in the World Series as a designated hitter when the Cubs go to Cleveland and play. That's 4-12 in the playoffs. And one of those hits was a top of the 10th single that started off the inning where the Cubs scored two runs and ultimately won the game. And this was just one of the best stories you could watch in baseball because it was like... Dude, honestly, like Kyle Schwarber coming back in 2016 was like some WWE shit where like all of a sudden, like, you know, Undertaker's in the ring and Shawn Michaels and Triple H are like beating him up and then Kane comes out and he's like choke slamming everybody. You know what I'm saying? That's what that's what Kyle Schwarber did. All of a sudden he just comes out of nowhere, saves the Cubs. He's choke slamming Francisco Lindor. He's choke slamming Trevor Bauer and and Corey Kluber, and that's what it is, right? And then the offseason happens, and you figure, well, okay, we can't wait to see Kyle Schwarber in 2017 because he's going to rake. Well, the first half, he batted about a buck 80, struck out way more than he walked, and hit, hit some home runs, of course, because when Kyle's got a bat, in a sense, well, he gets into one. But Kyle, he got eaten up by the high fastball, of course, right? And they sent him down to the minors a little bit. Kyle came in, had a really productive second half, then all of a sudden, the offseason happens, and Kyle Schwarber's training like Rocky Balboa in Rocky Three, where he's fighting Ivan Drago and doing sit-ups in a barn in Russia with the snow, just like no shirt on. That was Kyle Schwarber essentially this offseason. He's training with like a, a football trainer, doing all these agility drills, catching tennis balls with his eyes shut while he's running through cones, doing all of this crazy stuff in an attempt to, which he said he wanted to be MVP and he wanted to be a gold glover. And by God, the kid might do it. Kyle Schwarber is one of those dangerous bats where you've got Theo Epstein, who's a baseball guy, who refused to trade Schwarber, even when Schwarber was hurt and still worth a ton, and the Cubs didn't necessarily need him because he missed all of two, 
2016, the Cubs won 103 games. And he said, I'm keeping that bat because I love it. It's sort of a bat that's got this legendary speed. And then now we walk into 2017 and we say, well, the Cubs were good in 2016 when they didn't have him. They were they were pretty good in 2017. Well, they were good in 2017 still, even though they only won like 93 games. And they didn't really have Schwarber. But now all of a sudden, it's like the Cubs might have Kyle Schwarber. It's like signing a big free agent where, oh my God, like what's this bat going to do? Kyle Schwarber, my prediction for Kyle was him putting up 265 on the batting average and 42 home runs. That's what I've got Kyle doing. It's on Twitter, so you got to hold me to it. Number two on my list, my friend, is Mike Trout. Mike Trout had was pacing for a very good year last year. His strikeout rate was down. His home run rate was up. He was hitting home runs once about every 12 at-bats which was by far a career best for him. Strikeout rate, I don't know the, I don't have the percentage in front of me right now. 16% comes to mind. His strikeout rate is coming down as he grows up. He's entering his seventh year right now, and I've already decided that Mike Trout's seventh year is going to look like Barry Bonds' breakout year in 1993, which was Barry's eighth season. And, if you, and Barry Bonds, his 1993 season, is one of the best baseball seasons you'll ever see in your life. Baseball reference, look at the numbers. Barry Bonds, 46 homers, 123 ribbies, 336 batting average with an 1136 OPS and a 206 OPS plus. He slugged 767. That year, his war was nearly a 10. Of it, that Barry Bonds' 1993 was a breakthrough year for him. It was his first year in San Francisco. He had something to play for, and he just he hit a peak where where Barry Bonds was having really good years, and all of a sudden, 1993 happened, and it went through the roof. And that's what I really think Mike Trout will do, and you saw a glimpse of that. You really did in 2017, but then he got hurt. You know, he slid into second, broke the finger, came back, was slugging all of a sudden. And a couple things I like about Mike Trout is, one, the LA Angels have reinforced Mike Trout's Los Angeles Angels team. Shohei Otani, Zach Cozart, They've got Ian Kinsler, I believe, at second. They, they've, they've added guys to this team, guys that can really play. They extended Justin Upton. This is a team now that can make a wild card. So help me, we can see Mike Trout in a playoff game right now. Mike Trout knows it. The Los Angeles Angels know it. And that in itself, it's going to motivate Mike more. It's going to motivate the whole team more. This team is primed to get in the playoffs. Mike Trout is primed to see playoff at bats. And that in itself is going to just blow everything to pieces. I've got Mike Trout's estimate. Here, here's what I think Trout's going to do. 45 homers, 115 ribbies, 330 batting average, 1085 OPS, 200 OPS plus 635 slugging, 450 on base. So I've got his numbers a little less than what Barry Bonds' numbers were, but it could be more. You know, we're playing in a juice ball era. Everything is primed for offensive-wise, just to go through the roof. I think it was Bleacher Report that had asked the question in one of their articles if Mike Trout's war was above like 9.5 or 9.6 or something. And I said vehemently like it was going to be above. Mike Trout's war is probably going to be over 10.5. I think he'll, he'll have some sort of record year when it comes to war. And here's the reason why the article, all of the pros, obviously, I can tell you the pros, on why Mike Trout's war is going to be high. One, because it's Mike Trout. Two, because his experience is getting there in his seventh year. And three, Mike Trout is like, 
He's like the best whiskey you'll ever taste that's been just like aged forever because this guy, he's he's like an oak tree, right? He's just like the older he gets, just the better it gets. And this is what you're seeing right now with the guy. His seventh year, you're going to see a record war. And I know that that war number obviously is compared to everybody in baseball, and everybody in baseball can hit home runs now. But Trout's just going to hit more. I've got Trout listed at 45 home runs. I would not be surprised if it's 50. And that's only because his strikeout rate is just tanking. And also, I've got his on-base percentage as an estimate of 458. It could eclipse over 500 if he doesn't get struck out a lot. And also, depending on what the rest of the lineup's going to do, that's what we're looking at. We're looking at a lot with Trout. But I've got... I don't think I can find that SB Nation article real quick right now. But I think... Okay, here's what it was. Halo 7, which is SB Nation, asked if he was going to go... If you were going to take the over and under on a 9.454. I easily took the over. Mike Trout sets career best in every offensive category you can get. And as far as the Angels making the playoffs, you know a wildcard team, one of them is going to be the Red Sox. Wild card team number two. Last year you had the Yankees and the Twins. The Angels can beat the Twins in a wild card. The Angels can make the playoffs. That's what we're going to go with. Player number three, my friends. Scroll back up on Twitter. Bryce Harper. Okay, so this is Bryce Harper's walk year. Bryce Harper, he was also hurt last year on first base. But Bryce Harper was putting up. I mean, he was putting up good numbers. He's kind of, you know, in the same boat that Trout's in. They're both entering their seventh season, I believe. Honestly, Trout's really only entering his sixth because the first year he played was just a cup of coffee. But, I mean, I, what, what are you going to say about Bryce Harper, man? Like, I don't have to say much about the violent swing that he has, the leg kick, just stuff he was doing last year, hitting home runs and not even, like, kicking his leg. Bryce Harper's just like Mike Trout, right? He's entering a realm in this, you know, seventh season because they were both rookie of the year in the same year. Shoot, Harper might only be entering his sixth year. I'll have to tell you that in a second. But you're getting a lot of that with Bryce Harper, right? So if we talk about Bryce Harper, this is his walk year. So he's going to be a free agent after this year. Hold on. That's a big deal for one. Number two, you've got this Washington Nationals team that hasn't really made it past the divisional series. But they've added reinforcements. They've got a full year with a bullpen that they're not going to rebuild. The bullpen's ready to go. They've got it. But then when you got sets coming up like Victor Robles, maybe a repeat year with Ryan Zimmerman. Of course, you've got Daniel Murphy who's going to hit well. Give me a full season with Trey Turner. To not skip a beat, Michael A. Taylor in the lineup. He he replaced Trey Turner, I believe, last year. Played phenomenal. You've got not Adam Engel. Who's Adam Eaton? Get Adam Eaton a full year. You've got to have these guys a full year to build this team dynamic and really just get them in a groove. Bryce Harper is in... Bum, 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 one, two, three. Bryce Harper's entering his seventh season as well. And that that's just what it's going to be in combination with a walk year in combination with the determination based on the heartbreak that they had last year and hopefully having a healthy team. Uh, you know, a guy like Tanner Roark's going to come in. and he's Tanner Roark's definitely going to pitch better than he is. What I'm getting at is this. 
The Nationals are going to be more determined than ever. They've got to get past the divisional round. This is Bryce Harper's walk here as a free agent. He's setting he's every offensive statistic. He's going to better anything he's ever done. And his war is going to be higher than it ever was. I've got Bryce Harper probably going to win the NL MVP, just like Trout's going to win the AL MVP. I've got Bryce at 48-115, batting 336, 470 on base, 660 slugging. That's good for an 1130 OPS. Watch Bryce Harper. I cannot wait to see him hit. Playing with a purpose. I'm looking forward to every hair flip you can ever get. And we'll see where um we'll see where that thing goes. The Nationals, I think in the National the Nationals are my favorite to go to the World Series on the National League side. I think they'll do it. I think this is their year. Yeah, I'm a Cubs fan, but I, the Nationals got the Nationals got the pitching staff to it. Everything with the Nationals is peaking right now, and they've got the ability to win. They really do. Number four on my list is one that I'm probably more excited about than any of the guys I've named. So don't, you know, because it's coming in fourth on the list. Andrew McCutcheon. All right, this is a guy. He had a bad 2016. He was treated poorly by the Pirates. They obviously were shopping him, wanted to get rid of him. He had one bad year. They wanted nothing to do with him. They wanted to, they wanted him to move to a corner. Starling Marte was the new guy in town. Then you had Andrew McCutcheon, this, fra- this face of the franchise that brought baseball back to Pittsburgh and made it fun again. They were essentially sweeping away, kicking to the curb. We don't really want you anymore. We want Starling Marte. Then he failed a drug test, and guess who they needed to play center field? Well, now he's gone. They've Pittsburgh's finally got their wish. Their teardown and rebuild, having all these 97 and 98 win teams that they didn't add jack to to advance in the postseason. Nothing ever at the trade deadline. Now he's Andrew McCutcheon's a San Francisco Giant. And this is so interesting because, and I love the move by the Giants. I don't care if they've signed four guys 31 or over in the offseason, which is Kutch, Evan Longoria, Austin Jackson, and there's a fourth player in the mix. I don't remember who it is, but they've added four guys age 31 or older. Who is that fourth guy? Hmm. I don't remember. But here's what I'm saying. Andrew McCutcheon is going to be at least a four-win player this year, and he's going to kind of rebound some. He's at a corner infield spot, so his defense is going to be better because the center fielder, Austin Jackson, is a really good defensive center fielder. He's going to help Cutchin the outfield, and McCutcheon's going to hit well. Here's the projections I've got for him. Mm, 25 homers, 80 ribbies, and he's going to bat 300. This whole San Francisco thing's a resurgence for this, guys. Right? I, I thought about this a lot. And the San Francisco Giants are essentially cool runnings, right? If you ever watched the movie Cool Runnings and all the Jamaican runners, like, they can't run anymore, so they got a bobsled, and you don't think they can win... Ah, they didn't win. They broke their sled at the last minute. Well, you know, maybe the Giants will be a little more like Weekend at Bernie's to where, like, the music just starts playing, then they come to life, but you don't know if they're dead because they're 31 years old, but they're still kind of alive and playing good. There's going to be a resurgence, just like Weekend at Bernie's 2 with reggae music, and Bernie just, like, dances around everywhere, wears sunglasses, and it, like, comes back to life. That's what's going to happen in San Francisco is what I'm trying to say. You're going to have a resurgence. The San Francisco Giants ownership staff, upper management, GMs have 
got all these guys together. Evan Longoria has had really good years in his prime. Not so much last year. Same with Andrew McCutcheon. But there's something to be said, especially they've got Madison Bumgarner on board with this, saying, I would rather play with a bunch of guys that have been there. The moves that the Giants made, props to them for doing this, one, for their fan base, and two, for the gosh dang players they got on their team, saying, hey, Buster, Madison, Brandon Belt, Brandon Crawford, 100 pence, 34, like, we we believe in you guys, and we're going to build the team around you, and we're going to make additions. Don't sleep on the Giants, because they got Cueto, Smarja, and Madison Bumgarner. I don't know what they're going to do with the rest of their pitching. They got Mark Melanson, who can probably still pitch if he's healthy, but the team can still play. They can still absolutely play, and this is the reason why I'm so interested in this, and I'm interested in Andrew McCutcheon specifically. If McCutcheon performs well, it's going to be a reflection on the whole entire team. I know Andrew McCutcheon is more motivated this year to play baseball than he's probably ever been in his entire life. And here's why. One, the Pirates didn't believe in him. McCutcheon had one hiccup. And when you sue the guy for having a hiccup for one year, I mean, if you think you're the National League MVP and pitchers aren't going to adjust to you a little bit and start throwing you stuff you haven't seen and you might slump, baseball's a sport where you can have one bad year because it's such a mental game. And McCutcheon has one year, and Pirates don't want anything to do with him. But the Giants come in and say, we believe in you. Come play for us. So Kutch comes to San Francisco. Will Clark, giant great, says, wear my number 22 and go with it. And then there's Willie Mays just saying, hey, McCutch, how's it going? Like, this guy. Like, in combination with all that stuff, Will Clark, Willie Mays, the team that believes in me. I got Evan. And there's this team. It's refreshing, and it's energizing. McCutcheon said it himself. I've got a quote for it, that these players are all energized. Here, here's what he says. Here's what McCutcheon said. I came to a team that had a worse record than the Pirates, and instead of the Giants going, oh, we need to get rid of you, a.k.a., oh, instead of tanking, let's make this team better. And that's what they've done. Tell me what that's going to do to Major League Baseball players who are 30 and they're being treated like they're 65, 70. They can't even play a game of baseball anymore. Like, get the guy a walker and some Velcro shoes and some ginseng biloba because he can't remember anything or whatever. No, that's not what's happening in San Francisco. This is huge, huge. Bumgarner's quote, like I said earlier, that is... That's exactly what this Giants team is feeling right now. And I'm pumped. Weekend at Bernie's or not, I'm excited to see these guys win. And I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this right now. 150 million chance. They can absolutely get a playoff spot because the Diamondbacks and the, the Rockies, they're no sure bet. They're just as, I mean, they're just as volatile as anything. as the weather or, you know, orange prices in summer when there's a drought. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, this isn't like trading places stuff where we're trading stocks and figuring one out what the price of fruit is i'm telling you none of that makes sense what i just said but i, I can't wait to see cuts play i can't i can't because here i want to know this man i want to know do these teams have to rebuild and tank like the pirates and the marlins did prematurely or can you build because this is a team that won world series titles in 10 12 and 14 and by God, they're still building. I think I, I love the movement. I think it's good for baseball because the tanking culture can't last forever. Everybody can't tank, but they're building, man. When did 31 get old? I'm 34. I don't feel like I'm that old. Besides, I have to take a lot of Nexium, and I usually need like a lot of sleep, and my knees crack when I walk upstairs. But I still feel young, and these guys are world 
Cuts is an athlete, man. But it goes up the whole list. You know, look at Longoria. Look at Austin Jackson, who batted over 300 last year. His team's doing sneaky things and watch out. And one thing to note, when the Giants won their three titles, they were nobody's favorite. Right? Well, those three years the Giants won titles, they weren't like the Cubs or the Astros where teams had them predicted at the beginning of the year and at the All-Star break and said, well, those guys are obviously going to win. I was never any of those Giants teams. Not one second. My number five guy got to see Joey Gallo. I got predictions for Joey Gallo right now. <laughs> You're not going to believe him, but I think he's going to hit 240, and I think Gallo's going to hit 50 home runs. So hear me out on this, right? Hear me out. We're going to call him the Sultan of Slaughter because, like, the Sultan of Swat's, like, too nice of a term. He's hitting – dude, when Joey Gallo hits a home run, like, hide your kids and hide your wife. That baseball, if it hits you, you're going to the ER. You might never walk again. Like I said, seven-second hang time home run. He hit a baseball. I've got it on my Twitter account right now. He hit a baseball, like, past the seats over, like, a popcorn stand in Texas, like – to the point where, like, if you needed last-minute tickets, so you buy a ticket for $5 off, like, the guy in the streets who, like, looks a little sketchy, but he's like, hey, like, I got tickets. Like, you want to buy these tickets 5 bucks? And then you're like, yeah, hell, why not? Like, if it gets us in the door, but you realize, like, you're sitting in the back in between two trash cans and a funnel cake stand, but then a home run ball comes your way. That's what Joey Gallo does. It's dangerous when he hits a baseball. I mean, fans are going to have to sign a waiver if Joey Gallo's batting. But I'm telling you this right now. That's what I got him at, 240 and 50 home runs. And here's why, right? You're going to think I'm crazy because the guy hits home runs over the popcorn wagon. He hits him to BFE. He's the Joey Chestnut of hitting home runs. You might as well call him Neil Armstrong. NASA can employ him. He gets into baseball to space, attach a satellite to it. Maybe we'll have better cell phone reception and cheaper internet speeds. I don't know. But I'm telling you this. Adrian, Adrian Beltre. There was a 13-game span last year where Joey Gallo hit over 300. And Adrian Beltre, as well as the hitting coaches in Texas, said that's the hitter Joey Gallo's going to be. So when Joey Gallo had a stretch where he was hitting 300, pigs weren't flying and hell wasn't freezing over. But guys that know hitting, Adrian Beltre, 500 home run, 3,000 hit guy, said that's the hitter he's going to be. They tell him, they say, you're not a 200 hitter. You're going to be a 300 hitter one day. He had 209 last year, but had an OPS of 869 and an OPS plus a 121. He batted 209 and was significantly better than your average hitter, right? The guy's got the golf swing mastered. Funny stat. Listen, Mark Trumbo hit 47 home runs in 2016 and batted like 250. And in 2017, Joey Gallo batted 209 and hit 41 home runs. But Joey Gallo was half a, was at a 3.5 war, and Trumbo was only at a 3 war. There are things that Gallo does with the bat where you're like, oh, yeah, he, he strikes out a lot, right? Maybe like 197 times last year. But his power, his bat speed, his ability to barrel a ball up. I mean, he only had 94 hits last year, but 41 of them were home runs. I mean, it's pure destruction. It's like Revelation Chapter 5 or something crazy. I mean... It's coming this year, and I think that's what you're going to get. Annihilation is what it's going to be in 2018. I would not be surprised if he actually disintegrates a baseball. I'm <laughs> just saying. But Joey Gallo did have a spike up post-All-Star break last year, right? So he got better as the year went. 
So what I'm telling you isn't going to be like some sort of complete shock that if he comes in and bats 270, because pre-All-Star break, Joey Gallo was like 190. And then post-All-Star break, I've got, got it loading up. Post-All-Star break, he was like 220 or something. He almost kind of made a pre-post improvement, kind of like Schwarber did. You know, Schwarber was batting like 250 after the All-Star break, but pre was batting like a buck 90. Here's what Gallo did pre-All-Star break. He was a buck 94 and slugged 508. With an 821 OPS. Hell, second half, he had a 929 OPS, but a 229. And he hit, he only hit one less home run and 47 less at-bats. Gallo's got it. Greatest show on dirt. We're going to close this thing up. I don't have much to say other than... Well, Albert Bell was arrested today. Albert Bell was arrested... No, Albert Bell was arrested yesterday, so it was Sunday when he was arrested during his spring training game. So Albert Bell was arrested during a spring training game. And there's a lot of really weird stuff that goes on with this because he's got, I'm going to read you the charges, but he's got like a, okay, here's what you've got. You've got Albert Bell during a spring training game. He was busted for a DUI, but he was also booked on a decent exposure. We don't really know what's up with that yet. Like if, like if it's a Pee Wee Herman thing or maybe he just got really drunk and like mooned somebody. Like I'm pretty sure like a butt will get you in decent exposure. But this is real weird stuff. You I mean you know it's it's not weird actually. Like I'm excited for baseball too. I just didn't get drunk during a game and get an indecent exposure ticket. Not ticket really. He got booked. He got arrested for DUI. And one of his charges too was like excessively drunk. Like, you got to really be getting after it in a Scottsdale, Arizona spring training game. If you get a ticket for a DUI, oh, they they updated it. Here, okay. Two counts of indecent exposure, two counts of driving under the influence. And I know somewhere I read there was, like, some sort of charge of being, like, excessively drunk. Like, we're talking speaking in tongues drunk. Up, oh, I got a little audio here. Hold that thought. Okay, so here's what Albert Bell did. Arizona Republican money. He was arrested outside of a Phoenix soccer stadium. I don't know telling what he was doing. He was peeing next to a parked car. Then he shook his wiener at the car's owner. <laughs> I can't handle this, Albert Bell. I mean, I get it. He decked Fernando Vina. Like, Albert Bell's a loose cannon. Like, and I'm excited. Like I said, I'm excited for baseball season, but he got super drunk, was outside of a soccer stadium. He probably thought he was watching baseball. He took a leak next to a car and shook his wiener at the car's owner once they saw him. That doesn't surprise me at all. Albert Bell, ladies and gentlemen. That's it. I guess he was peeing next to the driver's side of someone else's car. No, out of his car. Next to the driver's side door of his car in a parking lot. Then someone yelled at him. So someone yelled at Albert Bell to probably be like, stop peeing. And his reaction was to shake his wiener at him. Then the cop said Bell's eyes were bloodshot and breath smelled of alcohol, obviously. So he said he wasn't peeing in the parking lot. <laughs> so Albert Bell denied urinating. He goes, so the cops come up to Albert Bell, bloodshot eyes, and he's hammered drunk. And he's like, yeah, I yelled at the guy, but I didn't pee. But the cops did some Scooby-Doo investigating, and they found 
two wet spots in the parking lot next to the car. Red-handed for the 51 Albert Bell. So he is arrested, driving under the influence, excessively drinking Albert Bell. Thoughts and prayers. We'll keep you in our thoughts with Jorge Polanco. <laughs> Maybe you can both join the Addiction Network, possibly. I think it's something. Wait, 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 wait. All right, Albert. This is for you, man. We're just thinking of you. I was on heroin. It was oxys for me. I used crack cocaine. Every hour, 13 people die from drug or alcohol abuse. Don't kid yourself. Addiction is an epidemic. We all know what happens when you don't deal with addiction. Someone dies. Or even worse, <laughs> they hurt others. Albert, you, you didn't die, but you definitely hurt others, man. I'm pretty sure you addiction. peed on someone else's car. It's just no good. I was addicted to heroin and crack. Look at this guy. I used anything that I could get my hands on. You know me. I'm the Addiction Network. Albert, you know him. He's the Addiction Network. Call him. I see his commercials like 50 times a day. Reach out and get help, Albert. We'll be praying for you. Greatest show under. I think think we're going to call it at that. The last story we're going to touch. This is a feel-good Chicago story. So in Cook County, a.k.a. Crook County, Chicago... A former groundskeeper for the Chicago White Sox in 1994 was falsely arrested and imprisoned for 23 years for rape conviction. Nevis Coleman, he's free now. He's been free since November, and the Chicago White Sox hired him, hired him back to be a groundskeeper. So they got this guy that's been in jail for 23 years, wrongly accused. And one of the first things he asked about when he got out of prison was the White Sox. He remembers the White Sox winning in 05 when he was incarcerated. He said he could hear the cheers from his cell, which is which is one of the saddest things ever. But and and the great thing about this is he he's he's not bitter at all. You know, in his interview he said that, you know, he's not thinking about the past. He um as soon as he got out of prison, you know, the only thing he was really concerned with was reconnecting with his family and his friends that he hadn't seen, you know, a couple kids, couple granddaughters, things like that. Big family. He's got like four brothers. And you know, I, I watched an interview of his, and he 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 has no anger, and it, it's beautiful. You know, it's an awesome thing. And now, twenty three after twenty three years behind bars, his former employer, the Chicago White Sox, they've hired him back. Grounds crew. His first day at work was today. He was pressure washing, you know, the field, getting things cleaned up, getting things ready to go. Whatever you do, if you're a groundskeeper. But but ultimately, like my favorite part about this story is is you know, his last twenty three years, you know, they've been awful. He's been miserable. He's been in jail, but he he's out of jail now, and he doesn't even look back for one second. This is a guy that all he cares about is the current and what's in front of him, and he's fully embraced his family. Uh, back with the Chicago White Sox, uh, a couple of his buddies that are still there on the grounds crew, he's working with now, and he couldn't be any happier. And this is this is just a huge deal. I think it's one of the one of the best baseball stories that'll probably come out all season long. And I'm honestly just pumped that it happened to him. So congratulations, Evans Coleman. I'm glad you're out. I'm glad you're back with the White Sox, brother. And enjoy baseball, my friend. It's changed a lot. When he got out, he said he wanted to go see Comiskey Park. Well, it turns out it's changed names twice since then. But I'm happy for him. You know, he's going to get to spend all spring, all summer. And the next couple of years, hopefully a pretty good amount of fall for the Chicago White Sox at Guaranteed Ray Field. Cheers, Nevis Coleman. This is the greatest show on dirt. And you guys have an awesome night.